Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the person of Christ. I thank you, God, because I'm anointed to teach your word and your people anointed to receive. And together, our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. So, we've been using the month of January to talk about practical wisdom. And on Sunday, we defined Proverbs as a practical uh, a truth that can be applied generally or practically. I believe that one of the signs of a believer is to be able to walk in very practical wisdom. Very practical wisdom. And so we'll be spending time to read the book of Proverbs and I encourage you to read the books of Proverbs one chapter a day. This evening, I want to talk about cultivating a lifestyle of diligence. Cultivating a lifestyle of diligence. Cultivating a lifestyle of diligence. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24, that's going to be our anchor scripture. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24, the scripture says, The hand of the diligent will rule. The hand of the diligent will rule. But the lazy man will be put to forced labor. The hand of the diligent will rule. Now, the word hand there, uh, because this is Proverbs, You know, like I said on Sunday, a proverb has a hidden meaning that can be applied to your general life. Now, when he refers to a hand there, he wasn't just talking about the works of your hands, but referring to your life. For instance, if I say, may God bless the works of your hands, I'm not just talking about God blessing your crafts. I'm talking about God blessing your endeavor, whatever you're uh, involved in. So here the scripture says, the hand of the diligent will rule. This tells us practically that rulership is not a prayer point. Rulership is not a prayer point. You know, it's amazing how as Christians we pray for the things that are our responsibility. You understand that? And so somebody says, well, we're going to spend time to pray so we can begin to rule and we can begin to govern. It's good to pray, to rule, and to govern. But we also know that the practical application for you to be able to rule is to be diligent. So let's look at the word diligent. That's our anchor word. Remember I'm saying cultivating a lifestyle of diligence. That means it becomes your culture. It becomes your approach to life. Diligence becomes the way you live. It's not just, you know, sometimes when you, okay, I'll tell you this. When I was, when I was putting, putting together this message, I think the first title I gave it was cultivating, uh, cultivating Diligence for a Successful Life. So I told myself, okay, so what about if you are not successful? It doesn't mean you should be lazy, right? So because I, I figured out that sometimes because we also have 
so much expectation or we're doing this for this, we're doing this for this, it is almost like life is a trade by butter. Some things have to just become your lifestyle. For instance, diligence. Diligence has to be your lifestyle. That's, that has to be the way you live. When people look at you, they should know that this man or this woman, this boy or this girl is a diligent person. Now, uh, the word diligent, it says constant in efforts. Constant in efforts. To accomplish something, to be attentive and persistent in doing anything. I'll take two words there. Number one, constant in effort. So you cannot be diligent if you're not constant. You cannot be diligent if you're not constant. So it says, constant in effort to accomplish something, to be attentive and persistent in doing anything. So diligence is not just hard work. For instance, someone comes into this auditorium and says, well, I want to sweep. And then the person sweeps this auditorium multiple times a day, sweating heavily. But when you come, you can see trash all over the place. The person has worked hard, but has not worked diligently. Do you understand the difference? Diligence means that you are paying attention to details. Diligence means that you are doing it well. You are not just doing it. You are doing it well. Are you following what I'm saying? So, when we talk about diligence, we're also talking about paying attention to details. You're paying attention. You're constant in it. Something that is done or pursued with persevering attention. Or when, when, for instance, I say your diligence, when you do something painstakingly, you do it, you know, paying attention to every detail, you persevere in doing it. So diligence is not something we just do so we can become rulers. No, we persevere in the art of diligence. That means a man who cannot persevere cannot be said to be diligent. It says the hand of the diligent will rule. The word will rule means that is a certainty. That if a man is diligent, the ultimate end of that man is governance, is rulership. And it's funny because we live in a society that sometimes doesn't operate by merit and unconsciously we just think that that's how life works. And so for instance, you might find somebody who tells you, oh, I need to get a job. And you say, oh, can you do this? You know, you, my, 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 one of our friends was telling me something the other day, uh, 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 somebody who, who studied computer, uh, I don't know, computer or whatever, whether it, I'm not sure it's engineering, maybe computer science or something. And then he needed to do something with Microsoft and was struggling with it. And here was a young guy who just finished secondary school who was vast with the computer and was able to help out. So in the real sense, who is actually the graduate? Because people go to, to lectures and they don't pay attention. You can pay your way through. You know, here you can buy a doctorate degree. You can, you can actually buy a doctorate degree and not know how to spell your name properly. So when, you, when we find ourselves in a society like this, sometimes we can unconsciously buy that art of laziness and just doing things to get away with it because we will surely get away with it in a, in a society like this. But that's not the lifestyle of a believer. Whether everybody is getting away with laziness or not, you shouldn't develop that in your life. 
Whether everybody's going to work and looking for ways to close quickly. You know how sometimes when it's past 12, you're just looking at the time. You're just looking at the time. You're just looking at the time. Once it hits 4 o'clock, you are out. Just looking for a way to escape work. Some, somehow in our minds, we feel that work is a curse. Some of us feel that it is because we don't have money. That's why we're working. But that's not true. When God created Adam, he placed him in the garden. The first thing God gave Adam before a wife was work. Yeah, was work. Take care of the garden. So work is not a product of the fall of man. Work came before man fell. Work is the avenue in which you can express the creative redemptions of God. The, the redemptive ability of God in you. Never see work as a punishment. I, I know that at, at a particular time in our, in our history, we had all this... Uh, many motivational um, stuff Sack your own boss Be your own boss Lead your own life And it was almost looking like If you are not an entrepreneur Then you are not wise But that's not the truth Because entrepreneurship is not just Printing complimentary card And having logo Alright And carrying uh, uh, Wearing suits And sitting in the house And just thinking that's it If you're really an entrepreneur It's actually more work Because you're going to be responsible For a lot of things And a lot of people so the hand of the diligence will bear rule. In Proverbs, if you read it, it's one of the poetic books in Scripture, so you should read it with that sense of understanding. Two classes of people are always found in Proverbs. The fool and the wise, the lazy and the diligent. I think on Sunday we'll, we'll, we'll do something on the laboratory test of foolishness. This is going through all the Scriptures and seeing the characteristics of, uh, of, of foolish people in the book of Proverbs. One of the ways you should learn is by learning how not to do things the way foolish people do things. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the foolish will be pushed to forced labor. Meaning that ultimately, the foolish man will be made to walk when he doesn't want to walk. Because he didn't walk when he should walk. So he will not escape it. You can't lazy around and expect that life is going to be favorable to you or for you. One of the things we find about Joseph in scriptures, you know, we like the story of Joseph. And the story of Joseph is interesting because he was sleeping in prison one day and the next day he woke up as a prime minister. It looks like a, a, a Hollywood, you know, a script. It's very interesting, but we forget that what took Joseph there was diligence. Diligence in walking in Potiphar's house. Diligence in walking in prison. I know if some of us... I mean, you shouldn't go to prison, but if some of us are in prison, we will never work. The fact that we're in prison alone, you are not working. Why? Because I shouldn't be here. And you find that attitude in people who, who are in jobs that are not well paying. Alright? And people say, oh, well, how much am I even paid? And because of that, they have an attitude to the work and there's no diligence. But that, that's not how a believer should live. Even if you are volunteering, you should do it with diligence. The scripture says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? I can't hear you. Are you still here? Thank you. Six things about diligence. Number one, you must pursue constant improvement in your workplace and life generally. You must be constantly improving yourself. You must be constantly improving yourself. You must see to make constant progress, daily progress towards your purpose. I, I, I told the, the brethren in the Finima church, I said, if your last two weeks, if the last two weeks of December are looking like the first two weeks of January, the possibility of repeating 2017 is very high. 
By now, there should be something different about your habits. By now, maybe your waking up time should be different. The, the books you have read, this is the 10th day of the magical 2018 already. Some things should have been accomplished in your life. If you are still coasting the way you were coasting last year, I'm sorry, it will just be a recycled year. 2017, wearing 2018 clothes. Have you made daily progress? Have your prayer life improved? Have your reading improved? Have your approach to people improved? If you are not making daily progress, you are not diligent. Diligence has to do with constant improvement. There must be constant improvement in every area of your life. Number two, you must never run away from facts. Allow others to examine your work. You must never run away from facts. You know, your work should be tested. You cannot praise yourself. You must never run away from what the facts are telling you. We can't change facts absolutely through God's word, but you should not run away from the facts. For instance, I'll, I'll tell you this. Uh, and we're going to read it in the book of Matthew. Jesus met some guys. They were idle and say, why are you idle? You know, and they say, and they replied Jesus that he didn't have anything to do. And Jesus said, go to my garden to work. So Jesus didn't ask them, why are you idle? And he said, we are not idle. We are working by faith. No. You are idle. Go get a job. Okay? So you must allow the facts to reveal your constant, your, sorry, your present reality so you can know what to do. You must never run away from facts. Number three, you must put in corresponding effort in work. Trying to get so much out of what you put in Trying to get so much more out of what you put in is laziness. You cannot have a casual approach to life and think that you will amount to anything. You cannot approach life casually and think that you amount to anything. You put in a little amount of job and you want so much harvest from it. That's actually laziness. Christianity is not a religion, for the sake of better words, Christianity is not a religion that permits laziness. Jesus Christ, our absolute role model, says, My Father is working, so I am working. And you see how he was moving from city to city, from town to town, preaching, healing, and doing all what? We don't have a model of laziness. The, the, sitting, the sitting in church to just drink anointing oil, get a white handkerchief, do uh, 21 hours marathon prayer, 67 hours marathon praise. Uh, if prayer does not work, try praise. If praise does not work, try prayer. If prayer and praise does not work, uh, try sacrificial giving. If sacrificial giving and prayer and praise does not work, try dancing. It, it's almost like we are... In, we are in something we are not sure of. You, you understand? I, and I, I detest that statement that if prayer does not work, try praise. It's actually an insult on redemption and on the power of prayer. It's not a statement you should make. Even if I make it unconsciously, don't believe it. Maybe I'm making it because I've heard it so much. Prayer always works. Are you following what I'm saying? I said what? Prayer always works. Christianity is not trial and error. It's not like we try prayer. Maybe that day God slept this way. So, you know, when prayer is coming, he passed through his left ear. But since he put his hand on his left ear, he didn't hear. So we just try praise quickly. And then when he turns, he will... You know, our inability to stay diligently with scriptures has led us to foolery. And so we take rhymes in place of scripture. 
diligence. The hand of the diligence will rule. God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. You cannot work for one day and rest for six days. You are not like God. It's good to rest. But when your rest is going into a little folding of hands, a little slumber, a little sleep, your expectation will not be cut short. And what is your expectation? Poverty. You must pay attention to what you are doing. Number four, pay attention to what you are doing. Pay attention to details. Pay attention to details. Pay attention to details. Set the bar for yourself very high. The crowd will always settle for mediocrity. People will always settle for less. Let's walk. It's, it's okay. It's fine. Just chill. Ah, just relax. Is this work your work? Is it your father's company? Just relax. That's what destroyed our civil service. Ah, what is it? It's government property. Ah, is that, does it belong to you? Is it your father's own? But we've forgotten that the scripture tells us as believers that if we're not faithful in another man's own, he will not give us our own. That means, in that house you are staying, you are diligent to preserve it. You know, when some people leave, when some tenants leave houses, it is like a civil war happened and they evacuated. It's like they just had evacuation, evacuation. So they evacuated people out of the house. You go into the restroom and you wonder, where human beings staying here? In two days of living, rats have invaded the place. That means that the people staying there and these other creatures that came were very close in lifestyle. The walls is as if is as if cobwebs had built a stronghold. You can't use broom for them, you have to rake them out. Because they have been there. They stayed in that compound for eight years. And the day they packed in, these other creatures packed in. And they were comfortable. What excuse did they give? It's not my house. And they remain perpetual tenants forever. If you cannot take care of another man's thing, you are not permitted by scriptures to own your own. You know, have you ever observed it when some cars drive past and the first reaction that people say is, ah, it's not his car. You know, you know why? Because if, if you have owned the car, and the car entered the pothole, you know you will, you will hold your heart. Ah, Jesus! You feel for the car. Because you know the financial implication of that sound. But if you are just driving for a company, you can even, you know... Okay, well, you don't drive that way because it will drop you. <laughs> but if it's your uncle's car, and you know your uncle has money, treat people's things as if it's your own. Treat people's property as if it's your own. I remember a couple of, uh, maybe two years ago, when our landlord increased the rent, uh, our own house rent. So he came, so I was negotiating with him. He made a statement. He said, the only reason I'll listen to you is because you have taken this property as your own. You know, sometimes when you even bring workers to work in your house, and you tell them, put this thing, they'll be the one encouraging you, oh God, this is not your house now. Ah, it's too much. You have brought them to fix the thing. They are telling you, no, no, I can't fix it for you. You are too good for this. No. And we have that approach. That as long as it belongs to someone else, we can destroy it. We can, you know, we can spoil it. We can misuse it. We can 
I just make sure that the day I'm parking from the house, I so misuse the house that it's useless to the owner. That's not how a diligent person lives. When a diligent person handles the property of another person, he handles it as if it is his own. That's what the Bible teaches us. Praise the name of the Lord. Pay attention to details. Pay attention to details. The little details in life matters. Number five, you must be persistent in whatever you find yourself doing. Cultivate a never give up approach to issues. Do not plan your failure before you begin. If this does not work, I'll try this. Do not plan your failure before you begin. Engage life. Go after life. Engage life. A story was sent to me by a friend of mine like two, two days ago. And I read a brilliant story of a young guy in Port Harcourt, 17 years, just left secondary school, who did not have a personal computer, but was going to his friend's house to do all of this computer programming and all of that. Won a Google uh, 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 scholarship to go to the U.S. and all that. I mean, 17 years, just making sure he's engaging life. One thing I believe is every excuse you give for your failure, there's somewhere, somewhere somebody in the world who is doing more with what you're giving excuses with that would be a witness against you. Engage life. That's what diligence does. He says, the lazy man says, there's a lion in the street. You have not started a business. You have planned your failure. Ah, I'm just, in case it does not work, I'll just quickly do this. You have not started. You've planned exit already. Learn to engage life. Learn to ask. Learn to seek. Learn to knock. Do not count yourself out of the game. Put yourself in the game of life. Do not count yourself out. Diligence means that you don't count yourself out. Don't close the match before the match is over. Engage. I told you on Sunday, if you are unemployed, get up, kit yourself, go to where they are working, stand there. And ask them if there is anything for you to do. If you don't get a job, when they are going to buy food, offer to go and buy the food for them, for them to give you a plate of food. You have fed yourself that day by the works of your hands. All this holding up your phone and thinking one day a miracle call is going to come and say, Ah, forgive us. We have just made you the, the central bank governor of this country. We were, we were foolish before, but the Lord just gave us your name. And then they make you central bank governor. The first policy you do is let them print money for everybody. What is it? Let them just print money. Everybody. All my tribe people come and collect one million. First. Before we, before we start. <laughs> when you look at our nation, you see what governance can do to a nation. A nation with all the potentials. With all the possibilities. With all the whatever you have. It's almost like... We take one step forward and ten steps backwards. Because we have people who are not diligent in the position of authority. Looking at the leadership of our country today, I just thought of something King Silbangwe used to say. He says, if good people do not emerge, the bad people will emerge. Because somebody has to emerge. Saints, this is a personal appeal to every one of us hearing this message. Whatever sector of Life you feel God has given to you. Please engage. Get to the top of it. People's life are dependent on us expressing the purposes of God in our life. 
engage. Don't count yourself out. Diligence means that you engage. Number six, you must persevere. Do not be quick to run away from tasks that seem difficult. Stick in there. You get to your job. They post you to a new department. Don't just give up yourself. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't just, you see a difficult task. You run away. You know, and some of it starts from when you were growing up. Your, your family wanted to move. And they said, oh, who will carry this fridge? You, you are a man with chest. You quickly run to carry a broom to be removing cobwebs. That's, that's why now, even at your adult age, you run away from difficult tasks. Once you just see that there's heavy work there, you now go and join women in the kitchen. Ah, is there melon to break? <laughs> All your friends are ladies. Because you just like to talk. Just like to talk. Don't run away from difficult tasks. Don't read. You know, when you read a book, I, I don't one of the... I don't want to call it most difficult. One of the books I read that I don't understand even till today is Business at the Speed of Thoughts. You know, I read that book, Bill Gates. I don't know if I've read that book. I read that book like two times. So at the end, I asked myself that. So what's the man saying now? <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, I read it to the end, but I don't, maybe interest or passion. I don't know. But some of you, if you just read the first paragraph and there's a word you don't understand, say, ah, why are they using this kind of English? What is it? What is it? No. That's why you have a dictionary. Don't run away from task. Learn something that will stretch your mind. There are infinite possibilities locked up in your spirit because you're a child of God. Don't run away from difficult tasks. Don't run away from problems. Don't run away from confrontations. Don't run away from people that give you good feedbacks. It's difficult now to even give people feedback. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Because people are so emotional, you can't tell them the truth. If I tell you, hey, you are not doing well. Ah, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't ju- if you judge me, you can't love me. Now, we are even finding it difficult to love you because we, can't, we are not judging you. How they say, ah, don't give marks in school. Don't give marks in school. People, you know, average. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but I have a different thought to that. Put first, second, third, fourth. Let's know where everybody is. Let's put it there. If you are 32 out of 32, let's know. If you are a slow learner, I'll be learning from the 32 upwards. Children do something. Ah, don't discipline them. Don't discipline them. We are afraid now to tell people the truth. You tell your friend, this is not right. He cuts off from you. We live in a generation that is so touchy. And so we can't mature. You see people who are adults behaving like children. They can't receive feedback. There's something called the wounds of a friend. We'll talk about that in, script, uh, in Proverbs. We'll talk about scriptures. The wounds of a friend. Where your friend will say things that will hurt you so bad you will make adjustments. We can't handle that. Because we want everybody to go easy on us. Especially pastors. You tell people, oh, you get angry with someone, you say something to somebody, they change churches. Ah, who wants the church to be empty? But you know how Jesus approached his ministry? He finished preaching, people left him. He turned to Peter and said, Are you also not going away? Peter said, To whom shall, you, shall we go? For you, you have the word of truth. You know, if I preach now and everybody leaves, I can't ask you many people, Are you not also going? I'll say, Thank you for staying. 
And I start to encourage you seven benefits of staying with your man of God. 56 keys to staying. Why those who run away will not excel? Because I'm just scared. We need to rise up again and tell ourselves the truth. And if we cannot listen to the truth, we will also keep deceiving ourselves. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I sleep too much. And set an alarm clock. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not reading enough. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not loving my wife enough. You need to look at yourself and say, I'm not spending enough time with my family. It's not everything we will preach from the pulpit. Sometimes you have to think. That's what diligence is. You pay attention to details. And I'll read that to you from the scriptures. Make up your mind that this year you're going to hear truth. Praise God. I remember we were doing one course. I think it was Leap Africa a couple of years ago. And they gave us a, a, a book that we should give to our friends to write anonymous feedback. They should not put their name. How many of you have ever done that exercise? You know, at any time. Were you surprised at what people wrote? I mean, sometimes when you read what people wrote, you, in your mind, you say, who among this, my friend, wrote this thing? Who, who wrote this? Because sometimes you just think you're all nice. You know, how many of us think that, you know, we are the most beautiful people in the world? You know, you just imagine that if everybody was like me, the world would be a good place. Not necessarily. You'll be amazed at the world you see. We have an image of ourselves that people cannot tamper with. We don't want feedback. Every little thing. Ah, don't hurt my, hurt my self-esteem. Don't hurt myself. Lock it up so they won't hurt it. And hear the truth. Because that's what diligence does. It pays attention to details. The balance of it is, I'm not saying go out there and cut everybody down. and say, see, this is the truth. You are a fool. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I don't want to hurt your self-esteem, but you are stupid. Don't do that, don't do that now. Alright? Gracious words must come out of your mouth. So, I'm not setting you up to go and just kill people out there. You do not pray to rule. You become diligent and you rule. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Let's begin to wrap this up. We'll do a couple of scriptures. We still have a lot of scriptures to do. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. Paul says, But whatever I am now, I'm using the New Living Translation, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out His special favor on me, and not without results. Not this. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God was working through me by His grace. So grace is not an excuse for lack of diligence. Imagine Paul coming and saying, Hey guys, I work more than you all. The New King James Version says, What? I labor more abundantly. Do you know what that means? That I stand in front of you and say, Hey, I labor more abundantly more than you all. Who are we talking about here? This was a man who wrote to third of the New Testament. Most of those letters were from prison. If they will lock you up in a room and they say you can't go out for one day, you will not write a letter. Your head will be so swollen. Your, your face will just go up. This guy was in prison and was writing letters to encourage people. In fact, some of his prison letters, you see the word rejoice. I said to you, rejoice. In prison. See, we must accept that we have put, we have made laziness and accepted norm in our own generation. 
John Wesley at the age of 83 used to preach from horseback and travel miles across the, 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 the country preaching at 83. Strong work ethic. Strong work ethic. New American Standard Bible says, I've labored even more than all of them. For third of the New Testament was written by Paul. He mentored leaders, Timothy, um, Philemon, Onesimus, Titus, were all his protégés. He planted churches, he traveled, he preached, he performed miracles. Labor. The grace of God will work in connection with your labor. If you are not hard working, you will frustrate God's grace in your life. If you are not diligent, you will frustrate God's grace in your life. In Matthew chapter 20 verse 6, the scripture says about 5 in the afternoon, I'm using the NIV, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? That's what I want us to pick. Doing nothing. God wants you to be engaged doing something. If you don't have a job, look for where to volunteer. Get to do something. Ask people, how can I help? God hates idleness. He found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. No one has hired us. If no one has hired you, hire yourself. Be diligent. Don't be idle. Everybody got called into ministry, was doing something. Peter, fishing, Matthew, tax collector. Everybody got called. Unemployment is not a sign that God is calling you into ministry. You've looked for a job for three years. And I say, I remember that my Sunday school teacher used to say that there's a call on my life. You can't go into ministry remembering what your Sunday school teacher said ten years ago. Ministry is not even for... And that's why you see that sometimes the art of accurate biblical interpretation has been messed up because we've got people in ministry who are even too lazy to read. So they carry doctrines and doctrines and doctrines without even... Once a big man says it, they carry it. Without even reading. I told you something this ago. I met a minister and was telling me about the mystery of feet washing. He was just teaching mystery of feet washing. I'm just talking, talking, talking. So I said, is feet washing a mystery? He said, yes. I said, what's the mystery in it? He said, ah, if you do this. I said, no, it's not a mystery. It's a culture. It's very simple. All you need is a good Bible dictionary. Read about why Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Very simple. In those days, the Jewish uh, geography was very dusty. So when visitors came in because they were walking and riding on camels, the, the lowest servant in the house will dip and wash everybody's feet so that they can ceremoniously be clean before they can eat. They all got into that place and everybody was forming big boy. Peter will not wash. Matthew will not wash. Everybody, Jesus Christ now just took the towel and washed. And that's why Peter said, no, you can't wash my feet because it was an act for uh, the lowest servant. What's the mystery there? The mystery has been unraveled. So you can't even get into ministry and be accurate if you are not diligent. What you will just carry is traditions and traditions and traditions. It's diligence that makes you to pay attention to details. God hates idleness. Can we say that together? Want to go? 
Let's say one more time. God hates idleness. So you say to yourself, I hate idleness. Fine. So you don't have to be idle. Look for something to do. That does not include watching television. Find something productive to do. Alright. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. That is, whatever you do, do it with the best of your ability. Whatever your hands find to do. Whatever your hands find to do. In Matthew 24, verse 46, Scripture says, Blessed is that servant who is master, when he comes will find him so doing, or not caught in idleness. And what was the master expecting the servant to do? To serve food. To serve food. What is it that took David to the front of um, the, the, the army where Goliath was? Take food to your brothers. What is it that took Joseph on his way to be sold? Take food to your brothers. That simple art of taking food to people. Be diligent about it. Every act is worthy of your best attention. Every act. Every work is worthy of your best attention. There is no small jobs, only small minded people. And one of our greatest undoing is looking at the financial returns of a job and determining our attitude towards the job. How much is it? Uh, 15,000. Oh, what will somebody do? They say, they not work now. They say, somebody's lazy. Oh yeah, put me here. You are just there. If they had even carved um, a statue like our, our governor is interested in carving, they just carved a statue of a working man. It will be more relevant than you. At least they will even see him in that place 24 hours. Your own lunch break is from 10.30 to 2.30. You resume 9. You went for lunch break, 10.30 to 2.30. You close by 3.30. And you say customers are not coming. To who? To who? who will they come to meet? I was driving one day. I wanted to buy something for someone. And then I saw a number. And then all the neighbors were saying, you were with me in the car that day. All the neighbors were saying, ah, he's at the backyard. Call him. Call him. I said, me. You opened the shop, you printed your number there, then you went to the backyard. I, I will now come and call you and wait for you to open. Do, do, do you understand? And this person might have spent sleepless nights doing 61 days all night for breakthrough that foolishness will not allow him to access. Just be lazy. And I told the person, I will not call. If he has a shop, he has to sit there. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's go on now. Let's look at quickly all the scriptures about diligence in Proverbs. And then we'll wrap up there. Just five minutes. Proverbs chapter 10. I'm just going to read them. Write them down. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Becometh means that it's a gradual process. He becomes poor. Just as people become rich, people who deal with slack hands become poor. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Maketh. Just as one is becoming poor, another is getting into wealth. And see, let me explain this to you. That is why sometimes you find even hardworking unbelievers get wealthy. Because this is not about whether you're a believer or not. This is about what? An approach to life. An approach to life. You get a job and you treat it casually. You're not diligent about it. 
Proverbs 12, 24. All the places where diligence appeared in Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. The slothful. The slothful. Proverbs 12, 27. The slothful man roasted not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. The substance of a diligent man is precious. You see how some people treat what they have. It looks like this is not the same thing we have. I remember in school back then. How some people will take their uniform, go starch it, you know. I mean, not spray starch now. Get starch, dip it, iron it. All the gators are standing as if they are rulers. And then your own, you just wash it, put it on the sun. You know, the next day when both of you are on the assembly ground, you will see the difference between diligence and slothfulness. It looks like it's not the same white. Your own is almost looking cream. There's no diligence about it. <laughs> no diligence about it. The hand of the diligence. Proverbs 13, 4. The, slow, the soul of the slugger desireth and had nothing, but the soul of the diligent man shall be made fat. The lazy man is always desiring. In the dream, he's always driving cars. Every night, he changes cars. He's always rich in the dream. If everything he has been seen in the dream come to pass, Bill Gates will be a learner. But you know that people who work hard hardly have time to dream. They are so tired they just sleep. The sleep of a laboring man. You know, you sleep, you start to sleep early. As the chickens are going to bed, you join them. Because no animal should, should catch you awake. You join them. 8.30 as they are, you are off. Then you now wake up when the birds are waking up. And at that time, you have traveled abroad, you have built houses, if I, you, 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 you have wives. Your dream is so enlarged now that you are not even married to only one. Every day you are conducting wedding. Every day you are conducting wedding. You are lazy. So sometimes when people are just talking about the dream, ah, this dream, I did this, I did this, I did this. The dream is so long, you now ask only one night. This dream should <laughs> Joseph's dream that set uh, Pharaoh's dream that set Egypt free was very short. Your own is is a dream that should take hardworking people ten years to dream. In the dream, you have you even bought US. US is now your country. You bought it. Very incredible things. The soul of the slothful is always desiring. Why people who are working are focused on their work. Some of the excessive desires you have, if you are hardworking, you will not have time to have them. Are you following what I'm saying? If you, are, you won't have the time to have them. I'd like you to have a very serious approach as we get into the year. Proverbs 22 verse 9. Okay, Proverbs 21 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteous, but... Of everyone that is hasty, only to want. The diligent is patient, and his thoughts will lead to plenty. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Says thy man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before men. men. Says thy man, he shall stand before kings. He shall stand before kings. That means your diligence will take you places to places of royalty. It will take you to places of honor. It will take you to where you thought you'll never be. Diligence will take you places. Promotion comes as a product of your diligence. Let's have a culture that appreciates diligence. Proverbs 27, 23, we'll end here. 
Proverbs 27, 23. And I'll give you 10 points here and then we'll end. In three minutes. Proverbs 20, 27, 23. Put that up for me. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look where to thy heads. Be thou diligent to know the state of your flock. I want to I pick out something here. Remember I said the proverb has to be expounded. And here I want to say pay attention to details. Number one, ten things you need to pay attention to. Number one, this, this is not in the order of importance, just listing them. Number one, pay attention to your job. Please, whatever job you have now, pay attention to it. Make sure you're doing your job the way it should be done. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks. It was an agrarian society. So, he says, make sure you know the conditions of your sheep, how your sheep is, how the things you're walking, your goats, whatever you have. Know their state. Know the state of your job. Are you giving the best? If you have a business, know the state of your business. Are you actually making profits? Pay attention to details. Number two, pay attention to your finances. We've talked about this. We're emphasizing it a lot this year. Pay attention. Track your expenses. How much are you spending on recharge cards, on data? Just pay attention to your finances. How much are you getting? How much is going out from you? You can't live more than you earn and expect not to be indebted. I would like to say this to you. Debt is not God's will for you. He wants you to be a lender. Pay attention to your finances. Number three, pay attention to your kids. Pay attention to your children. No one is going to do this for you. Listen to them. Pay attention to them. It's amazing how we trust God for these kids to come and when they've come, we just have to give them over to someone else. Pay attention to them. Maybe you have to get someone because of your type of work. It doesn't remove you carving out time to pay attention to your kids. Number what now? Number four, thank you. Pay attention to your spouse. And this one, I really want to talk to men. Because I found that sometimes women pay attention to men more than men pay attention to women. Especially for men, you're so busy, you come back from work, you just hit the bed, you sleep, you just ask your food, those who, okay, we do online newspaper now, we don't read the fiscal papers again. You know, and watch soccer, pay attention to your wife. Check the state of her phone. Your wife can be struggling to see numbers. The screen is cracked. You are not aware. And you are harassing the woman. Why don't you pick calls on time? She is trying. She is diligent in picking the call. The phone is not responding. Pay attention to her clothes. Pay attention to her hair. Pay attention to your wife. Men especially. Pay attention to her attitude. Sometimes women can carry so much, you know... Cooking, work, this, this, and they have so much capacity to bottle a lot of things. Pay attention to them. There's nothing wrong in asking your wife, is everything alright? Pay attention. It's diligence to pay attention to your wife. To find out her state. Same thing, okay? So you reverse it. Pay attention to your passions. What passions do you have? You have a passion for writing. Pay attention to it. Don't say, I'm too busy to write. God gave you that talent. Start a blog. I can't tell you how many people Linda Ikeji influenced in this nation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If God has given you the grace to write, update your blog. Let's not get back to your blog. And the last post is 2015, January 2nd. And then, in the end of that post, you now diligently put to be continued. And this is 2018, January. 
Pay attention to those passions that God has given to you. Do you have passion for young people? Do you have passion for women? Do you have passion? Okay, passion to help women now. <laughs> Say, Lord, I have passion for women. That's what I'm talking about. Say, I found my purpose in this service. No, that's not it. You have passion to help young people. You have passion for mathematics. Start off something. Your passion is important to God. That's why we all don't have the same passion. Pay attention to it. You have passion for music. Pay attention to it. Your talent. What are the talents God has given to you? Be diligent with it. Know what it is. Your purpose. Your calling. Pay attention to your purpose. I like to say this. And I please I say this with all of my heart. Nobody is an excuse why you should not fulfill your purpose. Your wife shouldn't be an excuse. Your husband shouldn't be an excuse. Your environment shouldn't be an excuse. Your job shouldn't be an excuse. God gave you your purpose before those things came into your life. Marriage should not be an excuse. Children should not be an excuse. Be diligent to know the state of your purpose. Number seven, your mind, your mental development. Be diligent to know the state of your mind. Are you thinking better than you were thinking last year? Are your thoughts better? Are your thoughts deeper? Are you engaging more intelligently? Are you more objective when you talk? Are you more... uh, when you discuss with people, have your sense of discussion gotten better? Do, do, do all your discussions end in quarrel? You know, some people, when you discuss with them, at the end, you say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. They, you never come to an agreement. It must end in quarrels. You must learn to stretch your mind. Number eight, spiritually. Pay attention to your spirituality. Number nine, pay attention to your business. Pay attention to your business. If you have a business, pay attention to it. Don't stay away from it. Don't stay away from your business. Pay attention to it. You have a shop, show up. Okay? Pay attention to that. And lastly, pay attention to your friends. Don't be the person who, it's only your friends that call you. Ask after them. When your friends travel, check on them. Have you arrived? How's your stay? Pay attention. Friendship is mutual. It must be nurtured. Don't just call your friends when you need help. You know, there are some people when they call you, you look at them and say, Hey, I don't have money. That's the first response. You see somebody's line, you just say, I don't have money. Because you know, they'll never call except it's a need. And even if they call to say, ah, how are you, sir? How is everything? In your mind, you are just saying, go to the main point. Just go. Go on. Mm-hmm. We are fine. Go on. How are the goats, sir? Our goats are doing well. How is the chicken, sir? Ah, the chicken are about to go to bed. Just go on to the main point. Yes, sir, I have something to say to you. Say, yeah. Now you are talking. Sir, are you okay? Sir. You can't be that. You're worth more than that. Surprise people by just calling them and they say, Oh, why do you call? Say, Oh, I just called to check on you. Even when they drop the phone, they will still feel that the phone will ring again. They still have a feeling. He that wants to have friends must show himself friendly. Pay attention to your friends. It also means paying attention to details. Paul says, He who does not work should not eat. That you have us for an example. That we did not eat anyone's bread free of charge. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, quickly, from verse 7 to 10. For you yourself know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. 
but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they walk in quietness and eat their own bread. This is apostolic instruction for the New Testament church. It's written in the Pauline epistles. It's not Old Testament. Stop eating bread for free. Are you following what I'm saying? When someone gives you something, there's nothing wrong in asking them, is there anything I can help you to do? To be eating bread for free is disorderliness. That's what the scripture says. Say, we command you through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you don't think it's an extra commandment. That you eat your own bread with quietness. Saints, we have a heritage of a strong work ethic in the body of Christ. We must not, in the name of grace, get lazy. And this year, I want to challenge you to make up your mind to be diligent. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. We pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will just give us that grace to embrace these truths and to live them. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Sorry, took quite a bit of time from our closing time. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.